Welcome to the Live Well, Perform Better podcast, brought to you by Below the Line. My name is David Duggan, and I am part of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure, and health and well-being. We are coaches, mentors, and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organizations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, and people looking to make their mark on the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is live well, perform better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your own life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest for a conversation that focuses on the question, what do the words live well, perform better mean to you? This question is a way into exploring with people from a range of different backgrounds, industries and disciplines, what are the practices, techniques, habits or ideas that they use to help them to show up and be at their best in all areas of their lives, whether that's as CEOs, leaders or managers, or as parents, family members or friends. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff and get on with the rest of your day and hopefully put some of this knowledge, experience and expertise into play for yourself. This week, I'm delighted to have been joined by a very special guest, Sue Hollingsworth. Sue is a storyteller who has been performing and teaching the art of storytelling for over 20 years. An acclaimed, internationally recognized workshop leader, coach and organizational consultant, as well as author, Sue has brought her passion for the power of storytelling into many settings and environments around the world, from storytelling retreats in the islands of Greece to oil rigs in the North Sea. Sue joined me from Cape Town, South Africa, where she was hosting a storytelling workshop and writing her second book. And in this wide ranging discussion, she talked to me about where her love of story first came from, what storytelling can teach us about ourselves and our lives, as well as the practices and habits she engages in to help her be at her best for herself and those she works with. As you might expect from talking to a storyteller, this was an inspiring conversation full of expression, images, ideas, laughter and above all fun with a person who is truly living a life enthralled to an ancient form of communication that holds the promise of awakening the inner child that exists within us all. Please subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with our podcast as well as our exclusive online sessions available through our Press Pause coaching community and our story coaching programs. Thanks for listening and see you next week. I'll start with the first question, which is, please tell me, why do you do what you do? So I've always loved stories. Um, I'm a storyteller and right from a child. So for me, they've always been a way of um, making sense of the world, of having magic in my life, of expanding my boundaries so that I'm not just um, Sue Hollingsworth living in a little street in a big city, just an anonymous person, but that I have a sense of myself being on an adventure through life because I've read a lot of adventure stories or I'm on a quest to find something. So I've always thought of my life in a storied way, but what I, why I do what I do now, I guess, is that when I was in business, I was in business before I became a storyteller, uh, I was successful and I enjoyed it. Um, and I traveled all around the world and I did all kinds of interesting things, but I burnt out. I completely burned out. I mean, I, I came to a standstill. 
And it was at this time that a friend of mine uh, gave me a birthday present, actually, of a ticket to a storytelling festival. Now, I'd never even known that such a thing existed, <laughs> but I went along and I was mesmerized, David. I mean, I'm talking enchanted, mesmerized. I'd been used to doing big performances, uh, not big performances, big presentations. I've been used to be doing big presentations to a lot of people, but I could see that these people on the stage telling stories were doing something else, something that I couldn't even see, but I knew that in myself, I was waking up, I felt full of excitement, full of potential and possibility, like I used to when I was a child. And so at the end of that weekend storytelling performance, I thought, I don't know what this is, but I want it. I really need this in my life right now. It's the antidote, if you like, to the burnout. So I do it because it makes me feel alive and it makes me feel excited and it makes me feel that the world is a huge place full of potential and opportunity. And I have the ability to see myself moving through it, living different kinds of stories. Wow, that's all. <laughs> that's all, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and just tell me um, more about that um, awakening moment. And you spoke about reconnecting with something from your childhood, but yeah, just tell me more about that and that feeling and, um, you know, just where that took you. Well, you know, when I say the word, I felt, when I say the word life or I felt alive, um, you can see that there's a polarity there between the burnout where I, you know, it's like a death experience. You know, there may be people listening that who, who have experienced burnout or maybe feel like they're heading to it, but it just feels like you're becoming less and less of who you are and that uh, you become more and more automated in a way, working on autopilot and that your life shrinks and you just have to kind of get through what you have to get through each day. So it's not uh, an experience that makes you feel full of beans, you know, full of life, full of excitement. Mm. So the, the absolutely opposite thing happened to me. It was so wonderful. You could, you could, if I give you an image, because storytelling is all about images. It's all about um, pictures. Um, I felt like a desert. I arrived at that place. I felt like a desert with nothing growing and just a sterility in my life. Um, and the stories fell on that desert like rain. So they, they just fell like a cooling rain onto this desert. And then, of course, as you know, when rain falls in the desert, everything springs to life. You know, mm. New life, seeds that have been dormant for a long time, like they were for me right from my childhood. Those seeds, they start sprouting and they, they don't do it slowly. They just come right out of the yeah. ground and they open up very quickly and you you have a huge multicolored um, carpet of plants and flowers in a short space of time having to do everything that they need to do before it stops raining again yeah. so I felt like that I felt like I just come to life and the things that were living inside me for so long they just sprouted and there was no going back you know once you've seen a flowering desert um, there's no going back yeah 
to yeah. the image of the dry, arid desert, because you know that under the surface, there are the seeds which are going to bring forth all this beauty and potential. So it was it was truly life giving mm. um, in a big way. And of course, you uh, you know you have that word live and life in your in your strap line for below the line. So mm. I'm assuming that that also means a lot to you. You know, live well, be alive. I could say, be alive. Have as much life energy as you possibly can because that's what you use to go out into the world to do whatever it is you need to do yeah absolutely uh, and i think um a big theme in our work um is find find the meaning what's the so what of what you're doing obviously if you can't find that you've got to find find it somewhere else but um, and i think that's where storytelling can be so powerful to help people find and explore meaning because often the answers are hiding in plain sight, but we just, we just don't take the time to, to, or give ourselves the permission sometimes just to explore them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. In my work with people, um, uncovering and shaping and telling their own stories, that's so true. And then also, of course, um, there's a long history, historical element to storytelling. Yeah. Obviously, we as a species, we've been uh, telling stories for an awfully long time. And um, the traditional stories, the oldest stories that have survived, you know, creation, myth, mythology in general, legends, you know, folk tales, animal stories, all those things. Um, if you study them and you, you know, really learn them and have respect for them, I guess, they have survived because inherently in each of them there is wisdom so if you like the, the, the traditional stories themselves are like the seeds they do contain the wisdom and that is one of the reasons why they're still with us mm -hmm. they say profound things and then when you uncover a story from your own life of course it has the same possibility that if you're willing to stay with it and if you're willing to be in connection and be engaged with that story and not dismiss it or minimize it or any of the other things that we can also easily do about mm. our lives, then it can flower and it flowers with meaning. And it, then it gives us purpose, doesn't it? Yeah. To, to go out into the world, like you say, and do what we need to do. Going back to that point you made around your own experience and reconnecting with, with childhood again, but I'm just wondering, what do you think we as people lose between childhood and, and adulthood that, you know, you, you reconnected with and that you've clearly you're clearly bringing into your own life and your own work? Oh, what a fabulous question. What a lovely question. Um, well, for me personally, I can answer that. So when I um, was at school, I was equally good at sciences and arts. And um, I'm in my 60s now. And at that time, when I was choosing my A-levels, mm. uh, there was quite a depression going on in the UK. There was a lot of redundancy, a lot of unemployment. And I remember trying to decide between these two routes and my parents being very helpful, to, you know, trying to be as helpful as they could, said, well, you know, if you study sciences, you're never going to be short of a job. You're never going to be short of work. So that's what I did, actually. I, I actually uh, mm -hmm. took a whole raft of sciences and, and, and I went on to study uh, sciences before I went into business. And I think I can 
say from that point, um, when I turned away from art, that uh, the magic, mm, the magic started to diminish, it started to die. The magic that comes through, you know, colour and movement and dance, or, you know, all the different arts. Mm. Um, so I think it probably, I think it probably started there and it took a long time to reach the burnout stage, but I think it was a progressive journey of um, a loss of meaning and a feeling as though I became almost like a machine with a purpose in society that I was supposed to fulfill. And that was through doing certain tasks and obviously getting certain results. And that doesn't really allow for much magic. So magic would be the keyword that comes up for me when you ask that question. Yeah. You know, what do we lose? You know, possibly other people are the same as me. I, I know that I've, I've spoken to a lot of people in my work who have ha had the same feeling. They may use a different word, but for me, it was um, a loss of magic. And alongside that, David, a loss of wonder. I think that's probably a key thing, that the world became absolutely explicable. I could explain it through my education, through my scientific training. I could explain the things that I saw. And so wonder was not there anymore. Yeah. And um, magic for me is very closely associated with that. And I think, you know, that's something which causes us to age rapidly, I think, if we don't have wonder in our lives. And, you know, you only got to see a small child, haven't you, uh, walking down the street on a rainy day and then they crouch down to look into a puddle and they've seen something and they're absolutely mesmerised uh, and they can be there for ages uh, and they're just in the wonder of it. But when we know, oh, you know, water comes from clouds, you know, it comes down, you know, of course, it's just yeah. rain and we're hurrying to get to the shops. You know, we don't see the beauty or the magic or the wonder of the puddle. But for me, storytelling is very much about directing you to the wonder and magic of the world around us through through the portal of art, through the portal of the spoken word. It also seems to be, um, and, and people can find you on, on, on online, but there's a strong sense, um, uh, there's some talks on YouTube that people can find, but there's a strong sense I get of, of, of play and the importance of play and being playful um, oh. about you and, and the work that you're doing. Because I mean, I'm talking to you now from, from Cape Town and there's storytelling workshops and all that, but there's an element of getting people to play and be light with um, themselves and their stories, etc. Oh, yes, that's absolutely the case. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's connected, isn't it, to that childlike wonder, you know, yeah. that playfulness that we also lose. You know, we yeah. see a child going down the street. They don't walk like I do now. They skip. You know, they, they've got they've got joy and playfulness. That potential is there for them all the time. And um, so what's happening now to me as I'm speaking to you is a story is coming up, David. OK, um, which uh, a little tiny little traditional story from the Zen tradition. So I'll throw this in because people might like to hear it. Please do speak directly to the point that you're making. So in this story, which is really quite old, comes from, as I say, from the Zen tradition, a old Zen archery master was walking down a road on a long journey back to 
his training ground in another city. And as he was walking along, he was looking around, thinking thoughts about his archery practice, when up ahead, he saw a barn. And on the side of the barn, there were targets painted. And in the centre of each target, right in the middle of the bullseye, was an arrow. And he knew that even he himself, an archery master with all his years of experience, could not have hit the target so accurately as this. And so with a feeling of excitement, he knew that inside this farmhouse, there must be another archery master, perhaps someone that he could learn from. So he turned off the path and he knocked on the door of the little farmhouse and a child opened it. And the archery master said, he bowed. And then he said, could I meet the one who has placed the arrows in the center of the targets? And the little boy said, it's me, it's me, I did it. And the archery master was very wise and he knew that children sometimes have a great wisdom. And so he said, please, would you come and show me how you do this? So the little boy picked up a really sort of shabby little play bow and arrow and he skipped outside and he stood in front of the wall. And he said, watch this. And he pulled the arrow back and boom, it went straight into the side of the barn, but nowhere near any of the targets. And the archery master looked and he was puzzled. But the little boy said, oh, this is the best bit. And he ran forward and he picked up a pot of red paint that was there by the side of the wall, took the brush and drew the target around it, the bullseye around it. So for me, this is like a very beautiful story. Yeah. And for anyone who's in business and has got a target to reach, you know, or any of us who've got a desire or a, a way of, you know, getting to something. Uh, yeah, of course, you can spend years and years and years training to do it. And mastery is good of course we're all hoping for mastery in something but this child shows us that there's another way to be there's mm. another more playful way to be and uh, we can we can get the same result yeah. but everything's fun and we're skipping around and we're we're thinking creatively and we're enjoying ourselves yeah so yeah so play yes yeah, very important mm -hmm. fantastic thanks that's a brilliant story thank you for sharing it <laughs> um uh we we spoke about the or we alluded briefly to the our, our strap line and below the line, which is live well, perform better. And you've already given me some insights into that from your own life. But I'm just wondering, um, what does that mean to you in a bit more detail from your mm. own perspective? Well, before I say about what it means to me, I noticed something about the strap line, actually, which was interesting. So uh, I looked at it when it was written down mm -hmm. and what interested me most was the comma <laughs> between live well, perform better. Mm. And I wondered what the, the connection between these two was. So for example, it could be live well so you can perform better or live well and perform better. Or it could be any one of a number of things. So I found my attention going to the comma and wondering what the connection was between these two statements and uh yeah so that was where i went first of all i don't know if you want to say anything about that i don't know if it's meaningful to you um yeah um i suppose um i, I know when i when i introed the podcast we, we often say i i i 
I, if you like, preempt people's kind of question, well, what does that mean? And I think our, our, our take on that is um, if you're living well, and that can mean a whole lot of different things, but hopefully you are performing better. What does perform better mean? Um, mm. It's hopefully you're just showing up into your life um, at your yeah. best. Um, yeah. And we often talk about this idea of, you know, helping people find the formula that works for them in relation to, well, how do I live well for me? And mm. that, yes, comma, that's going to help me to perform better. And, and and that means whatever you want it to mean, but hopefully it means you're just showing up into your life for yourself and the important people around you um, uh, at your best. Yeah. yeah. I love that, the showing up in your life. That's great. Because, of course, when I looked at it, I was really drawn by this word mm. perform because it you know, it relates to so much of our yeah. work, doesn't it? That we're performance based, we're performance measured. Um, you know, when we perform well, uh, we feel a sense of well-being and kind of, yeah, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm being really good at it. But actually, I, of course, I I totally was living that when I was uh, working in business before I came, became a storyteller. But actually now um, I am much more focused on this showing up business that you just talked about, which is lovely that you mentioned it, um, because I'm much more focused on the being aspect of um, living well and being better, if you like. Uh, and it really is all about just showing up with as much of you as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, so this basic stuff, like how the question, how can you show up? with as much of you as possible has changed for me over the years. Um, it involves basic physical care, and especially as I've got getting older, I need to sleep enough. I need to eat the right food. I need to be prepared. I need to not have to hurry or rush to get to things. I need to be centered and grounded. I need to be breathing deeply before I'm starting my work, all those kinds of things. Um, but also, it means for me in my work being as deeply and widely connected to what's going on as I possibly can. So living well, performing or being better um, as a storyteller involves for me nurturing connections so between people like we're speaking now, so yeah. a connection between us, um, a connection with the story that I'm telling. So if I'm, if I'm actually telling a story, I need to be connected to that. I need to understand everything about the story that I possibly can, the characters and their motivations, even though I might not say anything about that. I need to understand it. I need to be, yeah, the listeners, the story. I need to be connected to myself because often, um, if I'm telling a, a story from my life, uh, you know, there might be, it might be a difficult one, it might be yeah. a, a um, I need to know, I need to be able to be in connection with myself to know um, whether I'm, I'm actually there, centred in the story, able to move into different emotions and not get overwhelmed by them, or whether in fact I'm disappearing off and my whole story is being coloured by one emotion, like maybe just a whole story which just feels a bit sad or a whole story that feels a bit happy, you know, instead of there being a kind of journey element to it. Yeah. And then also um, what I strive for 
and which doesn't often happen is um, a connection with something bigger than myself something you could call it the divine you know a moment of grace where everybody is together in the story and you you know people say you could hear a pin drop you know you know that you're together with the people and there is something coming through you which actually is nothing to do with you and that doesn't happen that often but I I I try to work towards it happening more often and when it does um, that is the most fulfilling thing that allows me to know that I am living well and I'm performing the very very best I can a service to bring um story and all that it can bring and the life-giving force of story and the healing force of story into whoever I'm speaking with through that through that channel you mentioned um, a few things earlier on there you know you spoke about sleep and uh, those types of things but are there are there things on a daily uh weekly monthly um are there habits practices rituals that you engage in to to help you with them trying to be able to channel yourself and your passion for story Absolutely. So um, every day I meditate, not for long, but for yeah. about 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, three or four times a week, I have an, uh, do an hour's worth of Pilates. Mm. Um, I walk every day. That's a really profound um, way for me to, to keep well. Yeah. Um, I find it very helpful. And of course, during the pandemic, um, so many more people have been walking. Yes. So it's it's been rather lovely to see that people have been going out and discovering this archetypal simple process of just going for a walk and falling into that the rhythmical breath the rhythmical movement um i dance a lot in my work I'm, so movement is is very yeah. important um let's see what else do i do regularly i mm, so meditation pilates well, of course, I knew there was something else. Um, I do breathing exercises and voice exercises regularly. Ah, so, okay. you know, a, a storyteller works through their voice. Yeah. So we're often not aware of um, our voice. And I can certainly tell you that when I started storytelling, my voice did not sound anything like this, David. It was very high pitched. It was um, quite breathless and um, it didn't have much resonance and that's not the kind of voice that people want to listen to which is a bit of a drawback if you have to be a storyteller (laughs) so um, on a regular basis I do breathing exercises and I do uh, speech exercises to develop my voice and to keep it to keep it fine and that actually was very difficult during the pandemic because a lot of my work transferred to online as it did for so many people. And so um, I didn't have a reason to really exercise my voice. Mm. I didn't have to fill a large space, you know. Um, So when when it became possible to work work face-to-face again, I was, talk about preparing to perform better. I was sort of doing my breathing and voice exercises every day, building up for about three weeks. To the first time that I was actually working face to face with people again, and I'd imagine that the the breathing exercises were getting the diaphragm back working. And, and in terms of the the, the voice exercises, are though what are they? That sounds fascinating. Uh, well, sometimes they're what I would call speech exercises. So right. you're you're looking at all the things to do with speaking clearly, so that you know it's particularly 
particularly these days, the ends of words, people drop the ends of words and things like yeah. that. So you're working with particular exercises to do to develop the consonants, which come at the beginning and the ends of words. Mm. And then also you're working with the vowels because they carry, the vowel sounds carry emotions and obviously storytelling carries emotion as well. Yeah. So you're wanting to develop that too. You're looking at um, dynamic, how quickly and slowly can you vary the pace? Um, you know, all these kinds of yeah. things. And, the, and of course it all sits on the breath. So the breath, is the primary thing like in singing you know it's the same thing yeah. you need you need to place the words on the breath and they need to be together so very often when i'm i'm working people at, at a more advanced level yeah. um, in storytelling you know that this is the kind of thing that they have to look at that often they take a sharp little breath like that a kind of gasp and then they're kind of almost holding it while they speak and then they let it out at the end, for example. Yeah. Um, or there will be a very staccato way of speaking, you know, um, like this. I want to tell you a story, but I'm not sure how I'm going to do that. So people sort of pause yeah. in odd places and, you know, you're wanting to help them with the flow of breath and the flow of speech. Uh, so that they can really feel that they can move into their story with an ease that allows people to really be able to relax and listen to it. Because I know as part of your work, you know, you work with teams and you work with executives in the corporate world. And I, I'd imagine that that type of stuff would be quite eye opening for them and potentially very useful. Yeah, it can be, because obviously in the corporate world, they're they're really wanting to be impactful with their storytelling. And um, what I find is the, a lot of work that I do there is that by the time people have got to a very senior level or a level where they've realised that the ability to tell a story well, a good story well, is a key competency, they've gone through so many presentation courses where they've been told, you know, to not walk up and down and to do this with their hands and to blah, blah, blah. Actually, I find a lot of what I have to do first is unpick that because that's like a mask that they've been taught to wear to do this thing called a presentation. And actually what storytelling does, because it's all about connection, is you have to actually reveal yourself. You have to show yourself so that people can know who you are. I mean, who's gonna follow someone if they don't even know who they are? This is what storytelling really does. It says, here am I. And I'm showing myself to you and I'm telling you why I'm really passionate about this and why I believe this is going to be really great for all of us. So a lot of my work is unpicking those very left brained kind of ways of uh, giving a presentation so that they can then be open to the possibilities of working with their stories artistically as well as practically, because you're trying to combine the two. You're trying to combine the what you say with the how you say it. And um, yeah, I've, I've seen wonderful things happen to people, you know, when they've actually realised that they can do this and be absolutely themselves. In terms of organisations and organisational life, um, mm. I'd love to know, just your, or get your perspective on bringing storytelling into organisations. Just give me your perspective on that and, and how powerful can it be? Well, when I first started off, so um, 
I was one of uh, three people who started the first storytelling consultancy in Europe, actually, mm. back in 1997. And what we imagined was that people in organisations would not want to use the word story, would not be interested in storytelling, because, of course, that's all that once upon a time stuff, isn't it? Fairy tales and things like that. And what was absolutely a revelation, David, it was a revelation was from the word go from my very first client who was shell you know bless them shell uh, you know employed me to come yeah. in and you would not think that the petrochemical um, sector would be the first one but there they were and yeah. they were very eager um, they embraced it totally and they were absolutely willing to take on the new language and and look at their lives and what they did and what the messages that they were sending out into the organization through the lens of storytelling. So what I've learned is to be fairly fearless with that, to assume that the reason that I'm there is because something in the organization wants to reach for something higher than where they are now. In other words, I totally trust and put my faith in the goodwill and direction of the people who've brought me in. And I, I try to speak to that higher level, if you like, that they're, they're wanting to reach. And I don't hold back. Mm. So, um, for example, one of the things that I often say to them right at the beginning, if I'm working with a group of leaders, is, OK, what is a story? And there's usually like a great silence, because, as you say, a, a the word story is um, banded around quite a lot these days in business, isn't it? You know, like the word journey. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. some words that they go, they go, they blossom and bloom and then they kind of wither on the vine a bit. Yeah. Sometimes feel it's a bit like that with story. We might be going there. Um, and I just said to him, well, what is it? And, you know, that it, that is quite a good conversational opener because people have to really grapple with, well, what makes a story different from any other form of speaking and communication and we have to really home in on it and there's some very profound differences about what makes a story a story that can help us look at the world differently and usually by the time they they've thrashed that out and had a good old conversation about that you know they're already getting intrigued about well oh, I never really thought about this before um, and and they're ripe for for opening up to the possibilities of of what storytelling can do. But to be honest, I have in, in all the time since 1997, I can honestly say that I've never worked with a group of people who didn't succumb to the absolute mystery and magic of storytelling. They may have been a bit resistant in the, in the beginning. And when I was working at Shell, I remember particularly a group of oil riggers who <laughs> were flown in from the oil rigs to have a whole day on storytelling with me. Can you believe it? Wow. You know, these were big, beefy guys, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, coming in with their own, coming in by helicopter with their overalls all stained with um, oil <laughs> and taking off their kit in the in the lobby. And then in they come and there's me, you know. <laughs> so I'm not saying it's uh, it's an easy journey, but, you know, it's it's there's such wonderful associations with storytelling for most people because most people were lucky enough probably to experience story when they were children and when they were perhaps going to sleep. Mm -hmm. So it's something they associate with being safe. It's something they associate with 
someone that they love, a parent, a mother, a father, telling them a story or reading them a story. It's a time of day when they're very relaxed. Um, and it's also something they, they want to know about and something they want to find out what happens. So I think in the end, there's a the seductive power of the story and of storytelling is so great that I think it's really hard to resist. Yeah. Do you think that an awful lot of people are aware or unaware of the story that they may be carrying? What's your experience of that? Another great question. Some exceptional people at an early age become aware of the story that they're telling. And some exceptional people make it to the end of their lives without knowing the story that they're telling. But I think for the majority of us, and I would definitely include myself in this, um, it kind of comes at a kind of midlife awakening. So you might say midlife crisis, or um, certainly when your work shifts from being about what you do to being who you are, I think then that's the potential moment for people to uh, awaken to the fact of the story that they're carrying with them. And of course, for many, many people, uh, there are great stories that they're carrying, but there are also difficult stories that they are carrying that often hold them back for, from going from what they really want to go for. I can give you an example in my own life, actually. Mm. So um, at the moment, I'm here in Cape Town. Part of what I'm doing is I'm finishing writing uh, a second book. And now I really struggle with writing. I really, really struggle. I'm so happy with speaking, but writing is a terrible struggle for me. And I'm so unconfident with it. And when I started to think about or try to examine what's going on here, I was horrified to discover that I could hear the voice of my grandmother speaking. And um, I come from quite a working class background and definitely not the kind of people who write books, I can tell you that. Okay. And um, I can hear my grandmother's voice saying, um, she's getting ideas above her station. So you can hear my Bristolian accent coming yeah. through there a bit. But she's getting ideas above her station. You know, in other words, this is not the kind of thing that ordinary people like us do. You know, writing books, you know, you're getting a bit big headed, kind of tall poppy syndrome, you know. Yeah. And I was horrified to discover that I'd been dragging this story around with me, you know, for a good 50 years. I thought, oh, it's about time we, you know, we dealt yeah. with that one. And sometimes, of course, her voice still comes up again. And you know, doesn't mean to say I didn't love her. I loved her dearly. But that message, that voice went mm. into me from an early age and, and took root. And sometimes you just have to uproot those uh, stories which don't help you and plant some new seeds, plant some new seeds, which is I'm, I've got to the point now, David, where I'm able to say to myself, writing is not my natural way of communicating but if I really pay attention and I really dedicate the time to it I can produce something that's worth reading yeah fantastic <laughs> fantastic I love so it I kind of restored it but it's yeah. taken ages you know yeah yeah and it's interesting to hear you know um the storyteller talk about that that yeah because it's a common theme in a lot of the work we do you know who coaches the coach um, yeah. and how does the coach or the, the storyteller get some perspective on themselves and sometimes they could be carrying stories around for years and there, there's a particular time that 
you know, that story has to be dealt with or looked at and re-examined. So that's fascinating. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, You're very welcome. <laughs> and then my last question, um, what's the one piece of advice you would give to anyone who's looking to live well and perform better based on your own experience, your own perspective? Do what brings you joy. Because joy is a life giving energy and. Um, you know, we all feel so much more alive when we're happy and joyful. Um, it doesn't mean to say that there can't be challenges, but you can approach them in a joyful way, um, seeing them as opportunities. So I would say do what brings you joy yeah. and um, be joyful as you do it. Don't be afraid to be enthusiastic or um, positive or to, to spread your a good energy around as you move through the world with joy, doing whatever you love. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, you're certainly somebody um, who looks and sounds like you're doing that, exactly that. And um, I want to say thank you very much for taking time to talk to me this morning all the way from Cape Town. I really, really appreciate it. It's been fascinating and inspiring and um, wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, David. Mm -hmm.